You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we'll talk about how California and San Francisco are trying to prevent evictions during the coronavirus pandemic. I can't imagine what it's like to have been living hand to mouth already, and now you've lost your job. People are, people are really scared. If you're a small landlord right now, you're probably scared too. You're scared that your tenant isn't going to be able to pay rent, that you're not going to be able to pay your mortgage. I would just ask you to please have conversations with your tenants. The same as the uh, tenants are worried, how am I going to pay my rent? The owners are worrying about how they're going to pay their expenses. And I hope that our renters are in place and, and comfortable and safe. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Civic. It's the beginning of the month, and renters and landlords alike have been worrying about rent and mortgages while the whole state shelters in place and more than a million people have applied for unemployment. In mid-March, Governor Gavin Newsom issued what he called an eviction moratorium, but many tenant advocates say the term is misleading because it simply pushes out evictions rather than preventing them. Landlords, too, are wondering how they'll make ends meet and whether the state will step in to support them if tenants just can't pay. One piece of advice seems to be universal. Landlords and tenants should start open communication to negotiate an approach that works for both sides to keep everyone in place. A number of housing groups have sharply criticized the governor's use of the term moratorium for his order, saying it's inaccurate. I talked with one advocate about why that is. My name is Michelle Parasat. I'm a policy advocate with Public Advocates, which is a civil rights law firm. So this isn't an eviction moratorium. Uh, what it is, is a more of a stay of execution. So uh, a landlord can still evict a tenant for non-payment of rent on April 1st, uh, but uh, that eviction cannot be uh, uh, enforced until uh, 60 days from now. So you can get a, you know, a, a three-day pay or quit uh, if you don't pay your rent on April 1st. Uh, and after that, you can get your, you know, the, the, uh, your landlord can go and file an unlawful detainer. You get five days to respond. Um, and a lot of tenants will feel like, oh, we have an eviction moratorium. I don't need to respond to this, you know, or I don't know what to do. Or, you know, there's, you know, one legal services attorney in my county. Um, you know, it, it's created a lot of confusion, will create a lot of confusion. Um, they won't go to court. And... Uh, they they could potentially, you know, get evicted. We knew as soon as folks started losing their jobs, you know, folks in service work, restaurant workers, that people were going to have a really hard time paying rent. Um, the governor, uh, to his to his credit, has tried to speed up unemployment insurance, has uh, opened up, you know, the requirements for that so that people could apply as quickly as possible. Uh, you know, a million people in California lost their jobs in a week. So uh, that has created a serious strain on, on the system. Um, and a lot of folks, uh, you know, aren't going to qualify for unemployment insurance, right? Like um, I have a neighbor, she cleans houses in in a very informal marketplace. You know, she cleans the houses of her neighbors who now don't want uh, folks violating their quarantine bubble, mm -hmm. right? So she's just home now and she's just not making any money. Like she can't apply for unemployment. Um, 
So there's a lot of people who aren't going to be reached by the um, expansions of, of unemployment. And those are the folks, uh, in, particularly folks in the informal marketplace that, um, that we're concerned about. So, so why are you concerned under, under this order, with this order still in place? Where, where does it fall short to your mind? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, really protect tenants, right? So um, if I can't pay my rent on April 1st because my job's been shut down, you know, if I work at a restaurant that isn't open, uh, my unemployment insurance check isn't here yet, I don't have enough money to pay rent and I can't pay rent, my landlord can still evict me. You know, what we need is a, is a real eviction moratorium. We need a pause on rents and mortgages during this time so that we can get our sea legs <laughs> under us, right? Because right now everything is, is so uncertain. You know, are we going to go back to work in three weeks? Are we going to go back to work in three months? You know, um, nobody knows. We need, nobody knows. So there's, there's a lot of uncertainty. What we are certain of, at least uh, people who care about other people are certain of, is that we don't want fo folks losing their homes uh, during this crisis. Uh, we need to keep people in, our, in their homes safe, quarantined. That helps everyone. That helps all of us. So I'm glad that you brought up that we, you know, that, that there needs to be protections for people who have mortgages as well as for people who pay rent, because it seems like what happens if you um, create sort of a, a, a pause on collecting rents is that people who are small landlords will essentially say, what the heck, I don't have any more income either, or my income was my, my tenant's rent, so what am I supposed to do? I mean, really, I guess my question is, how how can the state act to protect everybody and keep everybody in their homes at a time when that's exactly what the state is ordering everyone to do? Yeah. Uh, solidarity is important here, right? Um, you know, landlords and tenants uh, sometimes have an adversarial relationship. And I think in this moment, we need to not, um, we need to be supporting each other. Um, tenants can't pay rent, landlords can't pay their mortgage. Uh, we need we need help for everybody, right? Um, I think the state, I, I think it's within the, uh, the power, the police powers of the state to say, you know, we're gonna take a little pause here on, on rents and mortgages and uh, get our sea legs and um, you know, see, see how bad this is going to get. So what are you calling for in terms of protections from the state if it's not this thing that advocates are saying is not a moratorium? Right. So we would like an actual moratorium. <laughs> so uh, public like? advocates is part. Yeah. So public advocates is part of a statewide coalition of housing organizations, uh, tenants groups, uh, affordable housers, labor unions called, uh, called Housing Now. Uh, and we've put out a letter um, of our demands. We've sent to the governor and to leadership in the legislature uh, asking for a list of things that we think will help keep our communities whole around housing at this, uh, at the, this dip, very difficult time. Um, and that includes moratoriums on, on rent and eviction, uh, on uh, mortgage and foreclosure, on sweeps of homeless camps. Um, you know, I live in Sacramento 
and our police here are still harassing homeless people and forcing them to move. So even though the, the CDC has said that that's not a great thing to do right now. Um, and we've asked for a moratorium on utility shutoff uh, because folks are sheltering in place. They need power, they need water. Um, so we think that that is kind of a, a baseline of you know, not penalizing people who just lost their employment, who need to stay at home. Um, to be clear, the difference between this order and what you would characterize as a real moratorium is that under this order, evictions can still be filed. They just can't be enforced until a later date, whereas under a real moratorium, you have no, infor- uh, no evictions filed. Correct. You know, there's nothing in the governor's executive order that requires landlords to accept late payments, for mm-hmm. example. So say I filed for unemployment insurance today. I don't get my first check until, you know, a week from today. That's already six days after rent is due. There's nothing in this order that says landlords have to take that late rent, right? Um, there's nothing that says landlords have to even explain to their tenants uh, what rights they have, you know, and we, we haven't been able to do, and the state hasn't been able to do, um, a communication campaign so folks don't even know that this is happening or who to contact if they have questions. Right. What have you been hearing from tenants then in terms of what they are thinking about, what they are concerned about, um, even under this order? You know, folks are scared. (laughs) Folks are really scared. Um, You know, it's hard uh, to be a low-income family in this state under the very best of circumstances. But when you've lost your job, uh, when there aren't protections coming, when there's a pandemic, uh, when you know you go to the store and there's the, the shelves are bare and there's no toilet paper, and like this is terrifying. Um, you know, I'm 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 blessed to have you know a, a middle class life, and I'm scared. I can't imagine what it's like to have been living hand to mouth already, and now you've lost your job, and uh, and help is not uh, help is not coming in the way that you need it to. Um, people are people are really scared. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I just I want to I want to speak to the landlords for mm-hmm. a second. If you're a small landlord right now, you're probably scared too. You're scared that your tenant isn't going to be able to pay rent, that you're not going to be able to pay your mortgage. I would just ask you to please have conversations with your tenants. You know, even if the law right now isn't requiring you to 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 accept late rent or or to work with your tenant in any way, please do that. You know, we're all in this together. Um, so have those conversations and take care of each other. And there are some um, some federal protections. So there's a federal moratorium on certain evictions that began on March 27th and will remain in force through July 25th. So landlords of covered properties are prohibited by federal law from filing a new eviction case for failure to pay rent. They are also prohibited from charging fees or interest for late payments during that period. So uh, folks are protected if they live in a covered property, which includes uh, properties with federally backed mortgages, so FHA, Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, VA, HUD, USDA mortgages, uh, properties receiving low-income housing tax credits, public housing, Section 8 voucher holders. I mean, uh, there's a bunch of uh, uh, properties that this applies to, you know, and 
what's tricky is how many tenants know exactly, you know, what the financing is for their right. building. Not a lot. Um, but, you know, maybe that's where advocates can come in and really help people. We're trying to educate ourselves as fast as possible about, about what uh, these protections could mean and, and who they could protect. Um, and then how do we communicate those to tenants so they know what rights they have right. uh, and what protections they may qualify for. So that's uh, all happening as fast as, as we can go. Um, you know, and I don't even think the state has time at this point, you know, uh, to Gavin Newsom's credit, right? he's looking for ventilators and hospital beds. And, and that is really important work. Um, but rent is due on April 1st and a lot of folks uh, aren't going to make it. So hopefully he can turn his attention uh, to tenants for just a minute and make sure they have the protections they need. Great. Well, thanks, Michelle. I appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. That was Michelle Parasette with Public Advocates. In San Francisco, we have a local order in place on residential evictions as well. The San Francisco Tenants Union has a guide online for tenants about what they should know about the local order. You can find it at sftu.org. A couple of main takeaways. A tenant can't be evicted under the moratorium so long as the payment became due on or after March 13th and the tenant was unable to pay because of financial impacts related to the coronavirus pandemic and certain notifications are given. The tenant has to notify the landlord within 30 days of rent being due that they won't be able to pay. Within seven days of sending that notice, the tenant has to give some kind of documentation showing that the inability to pay is because of the coronavirus pandemic. The moratorium stays in effect until April 12th unless the mayor extends it. After it expires, the tenant will have up to six months to pay the rent owed before the landlord can take possession of the unit. Here, too, tenant advocates have called for more protections. A group called the Anti-Displacement Coalition says the order just puts off evictions until later and means tenants who can't pay now end up in debt, with no clear path toward being able to pay their rent even in six months. They say tenants who are covered by the orders are largely uninformed about the process for actually getting the protections offered, especially when it comes to what kind of documentation needs to be submitted and by when. Landlords, too, are deeply concerned about the economic impact of the coronavirus pandemic, especially those on a fixed income. But many want to do everything they can to avoid evicting their tenants right now. Let's hear more about the brewing difficulties of keeping everyone in their homes during the coronavirus pandemic. I talked with the president of the Small Property Owners of San Francisco Institute. I am Noni Richen. I'm a retired person. I'm a volunteer president of the Small Property Owners of San Francisco. There are a lot of things going on at both the local and at the state level right now in terms of trying to figure out how people are going to stay in place um, because we're all being told to shelter in place and people have to figure out either how to pay rent or how to pay their mortgage or how to figure out how to be able to do that. Um, and I want to talk first about if this is if you're familiar with this about the governor's order, which is uh, being billed as a moratorium on evictions. And I wanted to get your take on that in terms of what, if anything, it does for small property owners. First of all, I haven't received I've received dozens of messages from our members, no one has ever mentioned evicting renters at this time. Um, what their main th concern is that they are not receiving any revenue and how will they uh, be faced with uh, paying their property tax and with paying their mortgages and are they going to be in arrears on their mortgages 
and possibly have their homes, their rental property and, and their homes. Many people live in the same building with their owners, with their tenants. Uh, are, are they going to be uh, repossessed by the bank? That, that's the sort of thing that they're worried about, the same sort of things that renters are worried about. So it sounds like you're not seeing much support from the state on that front. We haven't yet. We're getting different messages, and I'm sure everyone is, day by day, different Different politicians, different elected officials are saying different, slightly different things. Every No one wants to evict people because of this. No one wants to cause more hardship. But uh, owners are running small businesses, and we can't maintain ourselves. We can't maintain our property uh, without some reassurance that at some point we'll receive revenue so that we can pay our bills and that we won't be thrown out of our places by our, by the banks or by the, uh, by the, the uh, tax collector, uh, I think our concerns are all very similar. Yeah. I think that I've heard someone from the California, I believe it's from the Apartment Association, point out, and I think I saw this in your newsletter as well, now is not a good time to be evicting people anyway, because finding a new tenant would be pretty much impossible. Can you talk a little bit about what the landscape is like right now in terms of trying to find a tenant? Well, where are they? No one can walk around. No one can get within six feet of each other. No, I'm sure people are not going to be able to rent their places immediately. And uh, as I said, no one is talking about evicting people. These are our clients, our customers. We don't want to evict them. And, and for a small property owner to uh, evict someone is, is a very major concern. I don't know. Larger property owners may have an easier time of it, but I'm sure it's a last resort for them, too. There's also talk about trying to stop landlords from requiring tenants to pay rent. What impact would that have were such an order issued? Uh, I've seen different variations of it. If it were a permanent uh, for the, uh, what I mean by permanent, if they don't have to pay rent and they never have to pay it and no one else is going to compensate us for this amount, we soon we won't be able to pay our expenses as i mentioned we have we have property taxes we have water bills we have electricity bills we have uh we have the roof that might be leaking there are all kinds of uh expenses that i don't think a non-owner is always aware of now i've heard at the state level the governor talk about relief for property owners in the sense of a 90-day grace period uh, that he has worked out with some major banks on mortgage payments. Can you say a little bit about what that actually does for property owners? It's a big help if eventually we can uh, start receiving the rents that we didn't receive in the interim. And I think this is where the government needs to step in. If it really wants to help uh, have uh, have tenants stay in place and and rental properties to exist this is the time when they have to stop thinking it's us against them owners against renters and start thinking of supporting the our small businesses just as they're supporting our customers our tenants 
And can you say more about the details of how this grace period is actually playing out on the ground? Because I don't imagine that you just don't pay your mortgage and then the bank doesn't come knocking. You have to communicate with the bank, right? Absolutely. And and I have never been in that situation, thank God. And <laughs> I, I'm sure that especially now, it would not be... Uh, cut and dried and I, I don't think really from what I've heard it isn't in any circumstances I mean there are several warnings there are uh, talks with uh, officials from the bank it's it's not something banks do lightly because it puts them it gives puts them in a position of being property owners which is not their main business Let's talk about the local level. Um, There's also been in San Francisco an eviction order or an anti-eviction order. And it looks like small property owners are trying to figure out what exactly the details of this order are because there's some lack of clarity around what exactly uh, landlords can ask for. What kind of questions can a small property owner ask of a tenant who says they are dealing with financial hardship due to the coronavirus pandemic? There are steps. Uh, the first step is a notice, and it's with within 30 days after the rent was due, the tenant must provide notice to the landlord that the tenant is unable to pay the rent during due to financial impacts. And they must provide the notice even if they haven't received a late notice. The rest of this part of the order is common sense. It's advisable for the tenant to provide notice in writing. And the rent, the date rent due is the date, the traditional date that the tenant has always paid their rent. Mm -hmm. And then step two is documentation. Within seven days of, seven calendar days of providing notice, the tenant must provide the landlord documentation that due to financial impacts of this COVID-19 that the tenant is unable to pay rent. There's legislation coming out of uh, the Board of Supervisors that wants to say they don't have to pay the rent at all. This says that eventually they will have to pay the rent. What I think would help is some message from the rent board, which controls a lot of the the, uh, conversations between owners and renters, is that they will listen to both sides rather than uh, going to some sort of a hearing where a politically charged board, which is the rent board, makes a decision that's generally in favor of the tenant. Not all not all owners are in uh, dire financial straits because of this. Not all tenants are even losing their income. So. There, there really needs to be an open discussion, which is what you mentioned earlier. Yeah, let's talk about that. So with these orders in place and with the various communications coming from different levels of government and with the information changing all the time, and in fact, even the shelter-in-place orders being changed all the time, now we're going to May 3rd. That's right. What are you advising property owners to do? The first step is to talk with your, with your tenant. Small property owners can do that. We generally are are our own managers. Some some of us have small some some of us have individual managers. But the first step is to sit down and talk with the individual tenant. Everyone has different different uh, situations. Some some tenants are not losing their income. Some tenants have 
are have lost some of their income, but they have a bunch of subtenants that are in some cases paying them more payments than uh, than even the rent amount, which is not quite legal, but it happens a lot. So we need to have a frank conversation with our tenants, but without the uh, the cloud of the rent board finding out about it and making decisions that are beyond our control. We, we, we need this, this open communication right now. Can you say a little bit more about what you mean by without the rent board finding out about it? It sounds like you just want people to have like face-to-face, -face, well, maybe not face-to-face, -face. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like you said, frank conversations in person as much as possible to just well, work stuff out. Yeah, and some and sometimes in in a normal situation with the rent board having uh, hanging over us, there are dec decisions that come down that are based on something that was said a couple of years ago or something that was said in casual conversation uh, that are devastating to the owner. And uh, we shouldn't, we shouldn't in a crisis like this, we shouldn't be able to, to uh, lose our buildings or, or lose thousands of dollars in payments to tenants uh, because of some casual misstep in conversation. But it does happen. You've been hearing, I'm sure, from your members about how they're dealing with this situation. Can you give some examples of maybe the kinds of conversations that landlords are having with their tenants and, and what arrangements they've worked out in terms of figuring out what works for both parties during this crisis? Well, I just mentioned the one from Barbara. I've given my tenants a temporary 10% rebate on their rents to be evaluated monthly until the crisis stabilizes. I've also offered to release up to 50% of their security deposits and am banking rent increases for now. That means she's not, she's legally allowed to make rent increases, but she's not applying them right now. Mm -hmm. She said at least one person in my building has been laid off. Another person in, uh, in a telephone conversation was telling me that her tenant who's only been there a few months, wants to be released from his lease. And she probably is willing to, to do that, but he's doing horrible things to the unit, uh, make, doing damage to the unit in order for him to be released from the lease. But she said she's desperate. She's been on disability and hasn't been able to work for some time. And if she doesn't get the uh, April rent payment, she won't be able to pay her property tax. So there are considerations that uh, we are small property owners. It's not like we have uh, big corporations behind us. I'm not trying to make us seem like, like saints, but one owner, the very first letter I received was, he wanted to reduce the rents temporarily, but he was afraid that he would never be able to raise them back, that it would become sort of some sort of a personal, uh, of a permanent uh, reduction. Mm. And I think that the rent board has a form to uh, allow a temporary reduction, but many owners have been burned so badly at the rent board that they're very nervous about this. So basically he wanted to reduce the rent, but he didn't want to get burned permanently when the folks are 
able to go back to work, he wanted to be able to raise the rent again. Yeah. I mean, it's an ugly thing to consider. What if this just keeps going? I don't think anybody thinks it's going to keep going forever. They want to know if it goes on for a long time, how the same as the uh, tenants are worrying, how am I going to pay my rent? The owners are worrying about how they're going to pay their expenses. And I hope that our renters are in place and and comfortable and safe and our members, our owners are all safe. I don't want to hear about anyone getting sick, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, and and I appreciate you talking with me about this. Thank you very much. That was Noni Richin, president of the Small Property Owners of San Francisco Institute. You can find some of her analysis of the local eviction order at smallprop.org. I'm Laura Wenis, and you've been listening to Civic. Civic is a production of the San Francisco Public Press, a nonprofit investigative news organization, sfpublicpress.org. Host and reporter, Laura Wenis. Producer and contributor, Mel Baker. Our theme music is by John Dillon. Additional themes from The Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks for listening.